The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. As I hope every morning is, it's, it's all about you. And as we've just sung, Lord, we, we know that you're in control. We know that you reign. And so this morning, as we look at your word and, and literally look at uh, the scriptures telling us that over and over and over again, Lord, I pray that um, that would sink even deeper and deeper into our hearts and our minds, um, that, Lord, we will walk out of here even more confident in, our, in the reign of our Father and our King. So we love you this morning. We need you this morning. Please speak to us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, um, I, uh, I love music. Uh, one of the things I love about music is how uh, I can connect to God in a way that I don't connect to Him in, in, with anything else. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like when you read His Word, you connect to Him in a way that you don't connect with anything else. When you're around His people, you connect to Him in a way that you don't connect through anything else. And the same thing with music. There's something about music. There's a, there's a way, there's a... I, it sounds so funny, it's, you, you sound like you're speaking so in like an ethereal way, but, but you feel like there's a, there's a soul connection there between you and God, there's a, there's a heart connection that you can't make in any other way, there's an emotional response and something that I just, I just don't have outside of music, it's something really special and, and specific and, and I love it, I love that I, sometimes I can sing songs and the Lord will give me words through these songs to communicate to Him something that I didn't have words for in another way and, and so I love to sing songs, like songs about repentance, you know, a song we sang last week, Oh, Come to the Altar. I love to sing songs about the cross. I love to sing songs that are inviting God to come to me and inviting Him in. And I love to sing songs that just celebrate who God is. And on my way to church, you know, we, we live out in, in Tipton County, and, and our, our family's goal is to move to Bartlett. That's something we want to do very soon. When we first got hired here, that's something we wanted to do, and then, uh, Angela was like, hey, I'm pregnant. I was like, well, let's just wait. And then we were like, okay, time to move to Bartlett. She's like, hey, I'm pregnant. And I was like, well, let's just wait. And then I was like, all right, time to move to Bartlett. And she's like, hey. And I was like, don't, I know, I know, you're pregnant. All right, yeah. So so now that I think we finally just, that's that's over and done with for now, uh, we're going to try to get to Bartlett. Uh, but but as one of the things I'm going to miss about living out there is how long it takes me to get here. And on Sunday mornings, I have about 25 minutes that's just me and God time, and I choose to use that time. I just sing the whole time. It's just me and God singing back to God. And one of the songs that I listen to every single Sunday on the way here, it's a song uh, by a choir. The choir's called Youth praise and uh, this song is called Lord you're mighty and the whole song is just about singing about God it's not asking him for anything it's not confessing anything it's just singing about the might of God the power of God the holiness of God and and I love it and 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 I just if you pass me if you happen to pass me coming to church number one you're speeding but if you happen to pass me on your way coming to church on Sunday morning and that song is on you will know it because my car will be bumping, all right? Like, I get it. I just get after it. I love that song, and I love, I just love it. There's, there's, it's just, you know what, God? It's not about me. It's completely about you. I just want to hear more about you, and I want to sing and express to you how great you are. And you know, this morning, this psalm I want to look at with you today, it's actually Psalm 93. It is just, it fits in that category. It's just a celebration of God and who he is And so let's read this um, together. You don't have to read it out loud. I'll I'll read it for us, but you can follow along. You can either turn to Psalm 93 or here it is. 
the Lord reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He's put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. That's a good song right there. You know, it starts there in verse 1, the Lord reigns. And the song starts with this wonderful statement that the Lord is our king and he reigns. Now, we don't live in a, in a society or a culture necessarily where we have a monarchy, okay? We have a democracy here, but the people he's writing to, the Israelites who would be reading this absolutely as they sang this song, they know what it means to reign. They know what it means to have a ruler, right? Over Israel and Judah, there were 42 kings and one queen, and in a couple different times they spent in captivity they knew different rulers so they know what that means they know what ruling means they know what reigning means in this statement the lord reigns they would have been singing it when jehu was king they would have been singing it when nebuchadnezzar was king they would be singing it when the greatest of kings ruled and when the worst of kings ruled is if they were an israelite or if they were a babylonian they would sing this song and it would be good news because why it doesn't matter who sits on this earthly throne because the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. There's all kinds of calamity here. There's all kinds of just uproar and things going wrong, but it doesn't matter because the Lord reigns. And as this song starts with that giant statement, the Lord reigns, you kind of have to ask the question, well, how do you know that? How do you know that the Lord reigns? No matter what, how, like kind of back up that claim. There's this celebratory claim that the Lord reigns. And that's good news, it sounds like. But, but, but back it up. And the psalmist does. And he gives us four proofs to this right here in this song. The first proof is this. It's the name of God. It's Yahweh. If you, have, uh, if you look in your Bible, verse 1, what does it say? The Lord reigns. How is Lord written in your Bible? Is it all caps? That's one of the ways that we represent in our scriptures when God's name is used, Yahweh. What's special about this name is that this name is not a title that anyone gave him, like Lord. It's not a, it's not a name that someone gave him. This is his name. This is the name that he gave us. When he speaks to Moses, he says, no, my name is Yahweh. He reveals himself in a very personal way, in a knowable way. Not with a title, but with his name. Like you have a name. And think about it, that immediately sets some sort of parameters for our relationships. I mean, if you were to go to somebody and they were to say, hi, I'm, I'm Dr. Turner or I'm Officer Munn, what does that imply to you? That implies that they're going to pull a tooth or they're going to write you a ticket. That's what it implies to you. But if they walk up to you and say, I'm John or I'm Mary, what does that imply to you? That implies that, hey, they, want, they can be known by me, right? They're knowable. They want to have a relationship with me. There's some sort of, there's some sort of facade we've, we've chipped away. There's, all that formality is gone on there look we can get to know each other and God gives us his name just like anyone else would give us a name he said this is this is me you can know me and that's so incredibly amazing and so kind of the Lord but there's something else about this name that actually backs up this claim that he reigns not just that he's knowable but Yahweh means and God says it God reveals it he says it means I I am that I am I am who I am and it means the one who is. And what that means is that he exists because he exists. There's no start to him. There's no finish to him. The interesting thing is that nothing caused him, yet everything is caused by him. 
Like he is before all things and he will be after all things. He was and he is and he always will be. And so one of the reasons why he reigns is because he's always reigned. Because he's from before the beginning, he was. He's always reigned and he always will reign. Look at verse two. Your throne is established from old, from everlasting. He's always reigned and will always reign. So he reigns because why? Because he's Yahweh. Because he is the one who is. That's why he reigns. The second reason he reigns, look in verse one. He's robed in majesty. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. What do you think of when I say the word majesty? What comes to mind? I, one of the things that pops in my mind immediately, and it's probably thanks to my dad more than anything. You guys know that song, Majesty? You know, my dad would walk around the house, Majesty, Kingdom Authority, right? Like he'd walk around singing that song, and that song, that will get stuck in your head. In fact, yesterday I was reading over my notes, and I was like, oh yeah, that song, Majesty. And it just kind of got stuck in my head, and, and just this morning as I got in the shower, I was going, Majesty, right? And so I just, it just kind of gets stuck in your head, and so maybe, maybe it's that song that, that, that comes to your mind, or maybe it's nature. That's another, when I describe things as majestic, it's almost always in nature is when I use that word. And um, Anyone been in Niagara Falls? Anyone been in Niagara Falls? Oh, I hate all of you. I want to go so bad. That's on my bucket list for sure. That's on my bucket list. And so I will take back my hatred if you will take me with you. All right? I, I absolutely want to go to Niagara Falls. In fact, I went, uh, I went on YouTube this week and looked at Niagara Falls, and, and I, I found like a two-hour video of just someone put a camera on Niagara Falls and just let it sit there for two hours, and I was just watching it. And I was like, well, all right, well, what is it, what's it do, you know? And then like, like an hour later, I was like, I should probably get up. And then uh, like, you know, when it finally goes off, you know, I was like, what in the world just happened? It's, it's majestic, isn't it? Would you describe it? People been there? Would you describe it that way? It's majestic. The, the sound, the power of it. I mean, it's, a, it's like a 176 feet tall, 150,000 gallons of water go over it per second. That's a big thing. It's majestic, it's, it's beautiful, but it's also terrifying. Another thing, if you type in YouTube, uh, if you type in Niagara Falls, you'll catch videos of people going over the falls, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not, but it's terrifying when you see it. I don't want to go over the falls. No, no thank you, right? I don't, give, don't give me a barrel, don't give me three barrels. I don't care. You go over a barrel. I'm not doing that, right? I don't, it's, it's terrifying. It's almost like it's beautiful, but there's something about it that's like I don't, I don't belong there. Does that make sense? It makes me think of Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah encounters the majesty of God. You can read it with me. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts 
This is not abnormal. If you look in Ezekiel, a similar uh, view of God. If you look in Revelation, John sees, John sees God. He sees all this beautiful thing. And what happens to him? He falls over as if dead. This is not an abnormal response to seeing this beauty. There's this, so there's this irresistible beauty about God. And yet there's this terrifying otherness. This terrifying holiness where that Isaiah felt of, I don't belong here. This is so far above me and bigger than me and more powerful than me. I don't stand a chance in front of it. And God's clothed in that. God is clothed in this irresistible beauty uh, combined with this terrible holiness. And so he reigns because there's no one like him. There's no one clothed in majesty like that. There's no one clothed in an irresistible beauty with the terrible holiness. No one. So he reigns because there's no one like him. He also reigns because, look, the third reason, strength is his belt. It says he has put on strength as his belt. I thought about strength and I thought that we don't have an understanding of strength in a vacuum. I mean, if we don't have a way to measure strength, if we don't have it up against something, we can't, we can't really see if it's strong or not. Like, you could look at me and naturally assume that I'm incredibly strong, right? Like, that's your natural... That's your natural assumption, all right? You look at me and you go, man, that guy is strong. And you could see, like, maybe if I, you could see my fighting stance. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, it's a little unconventional, okay? But I like to first get a lot of space between me and the person, all right? You got to get that foot out there. They're looking for a punch like this, so you get your arms up, right? You get your arms up, and then all in one motion, step and punch, right? Okay? So you just step and, and that looks really powerful, right? I know it does. But you have no idea if it's really effective or not. Maybe you do. You have no idea if it's really powerful or effective or, or not until I get somebody up here. Would someone come up here so I can punch them in the face? Anybody at all? Maybe someone who laughed at me? No, I'm just kidding. No. You have no idea unless, unless what? How can, you, how can you see if I'm really strong? If you add weight. That's how you're going to see if I'm strong. If you, put a, if you put weights up here, you know how heavy those are. You know it takes strength to, it takes a certain amount of strength to, to lift this weight. So if you put a weight on the stage and I easily lifted it above my head and then twirled it on my finger as I would, uh, then you would be able to say, wow, he's super strong or that weight's not real. Like one of the two, but that we can't measure strength without some, in a vacuum. But here's the thing, we don't have to talk about God's power or his strength in a vacuum. We don't have to just say strength is his belt. I guess, I guess he's strong. I guess he's kind of strong. Because he hasn't left it to us in a vacuum. Look at Psalm 97, 3 through 5. Look at this. Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth. Let's review, shall we? Fire which is incredibly powerful, goes before him. Anyone who stands against him, his adversaries, are completely consumed. His lightning lights up the world. The earth, it shakes before him. The mountains, anyone been to, been to some pretty incredible mountains? You've been, uh, I, I remember when I was, uh, when I was 16, we, I, I got to visit France, and, and we were taking a trip, and, and I remember we drove um, through the Alps, and I remember looking at these mountains and just thinking, these are incredible. Incredible. They're absolutely incredible. And I remember one of the, fam- the family I was with, they weren't believers. 
And they started talking about how beautiful it was. And they said, you know, these have always been here and they will always be here. And, and I wish I had known Psalm 97 at that point. Because I'd been like, well, maybe not. But the mountains, those mountains, the Alps, the, the, the Appalachian Mountains, the Smoky Mountains, whatever mountain you want to call it, melts like wax before the Lord. So how would you measure his strength and his power on a scale of 1 to 10? Infinity? Yeah, you'd be good. You'd be right. So God is robed in majesty, this irresistible beauty and this terrible holiness, and he's, he's girded himself, he has a belt of strength, a strength that melts mountains like wax. So does he reign? Yes, he reigns, because there's no power like him. Another reason he reigns, he established the world. Look at verse 1 again. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. The creator is absolutely greater than his creation. Colossians 1, 16-17 reveals that to us. It says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Look at verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He reigns because if he didn't, we wouldn't be here. He reigns because the scripture says that that he holds all things together. If for a split second he didn't reign, we would cease to be. He reigns because of everything you see. He reigns. So the Lord reigns. And since the Lord reigns, we have to draw a conclusion. Here's our conclusion. That his reign is complete and it's constant. His reign is complete and constant. Psalm 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over what? All. It rules over all. Meaning, he reigns in the good times. I got to do a wedding yesterday. It was a, a former student of mine from the church in Munford that, that uh, I served at um, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And, uh, and it, he was a kid, he was a student that was really special um, to me. And you know, you know you, if, if you were to ask a youth pastor, like, who are your favorite kids? They'd be like, ah, they're all my favorite. No, they're not, we got favorites. And uh, he was one of them, except now. Like, all the students I have now, you're all my favorites. That whole section is my favorite. Um, he was somebody, he was really special to our family. We spent a lot of time with his family, and, and, uh, and, and we've since, like, lost touch, and we kind of reconnected, and I got to do his wedding last night, and it was a, just a happy day. The weather was incredible. It was an outdoor wedding. Um, it was just beautiful. And, and, and my wife uh, brought, brought our twins. And, uh, and we just kind of got to celebrate with them. And it was exciting. And it was fun. And, um, you know, uh, Angela, Angela and I talk about this a lot, that, that we know that, that these are probably the best years of our lives, you know, with, with the kids the way they are, the ages that they are. This is just it's the most exhausting point of our lives, but it's also the best point. These are the, these are the stories we'll tell. These are the memories we look back on. These are the home videos we're going to watch over and over and over again. These are the best days of our lives. And, and yesterday, I was reminded of that at, at the wedding. My daughter, uh, Piper Grace, she's four years old. She, she could not wait till the wedding was over so she could meet the princess. That's what she kept calling the bride. She wanted to meet the princess. And every time the, the princess would kind of walk through the reception, she would just go up and try to hug her and hold on to her. And she wanted to take pictures with her. And she couldn't even talk to her. She was so excited. She was just so excited. She kept trying to talk to her. What's your name? And she's ah. like, she was just overwhelmed that she got to see the princess. Um, and, and so these are, these are good times. These are really good times. And so he reigns then. He reigns when everyone's healthy. He reigns when you've got a raise. He reigns when it's the high today is 72. He reigns in the good times. 
But he also reigns in the bad times. He reigns during the illnesses. He reigns during the divorce. He reigns during the calamity. He's in charge. This weekend is our homecoming uh, for Mississippi College, where we graduated. And it'll be our, uh, a celebration of our 10-year um, reunion, anniversary. What do they call it? I guess it's reunion. Yeah, so we graduated from, from college 10 years ago now. And so it's, it's kind of a big weekend for our class. We're excited about it. Um, but, you know, every time we go down there, I can't help but be reminded of, uh, of my friends Maxim and Beth and Lindsay um, who lost their life while we were there. And, and every time I think about that, those were dark, dark times. And they were, they were bad times. But the scriptures are clear that he even reigns then. That didn't knock him off his throne. He wasn't out of control in that moment, which is good news. And we saw that good news. Uh, we drove down to Lindsay's funeral. It was on the coast. It was on the Gulf Coast somewhere. And we drove down to this funeral. And, and we, we go into this church, and it's packed with people. And this funeral is, is all about um, her love for Jesus. And that's all they talk about. And you know how this funeral ends? I've never been to a funeral like this. You know how this funeral ends? It ends with people streaming down the aisles to give their lives to Jesus. You, you with me? It ends with people streaming down the aisles to give their lives to Jesus. It's incredible. And even Beth's parents, Beth's parents, uh, the, when they caught the girl who, who caused the accident, she was driving um, uh, under the influence of, of drugs and alcohol. When they caught her, the, her parents refused to press charges and instead defended the girl. She's 21 years old. Defended the girl and said, we've lost our daughter. We don't want them to lose theirs too. We forgive you. And so even in this dark time, God's in control and he's using it. To show people his kindness and his love. And he's using it to bring people from death to life. There will be people who will walk into paradise. And will meet Maxim and will meet Beth. And will meet Lindsay for the first time. And they can say to them, I'm here because of you. I'm here because you loved him so much. And people told your story. And now I love him so much. God's in control even in the dark times. And he also reigns in the shameful times, the, the sinful times in our lives. What are the two greatest sins ever committed? I think you can make an argument that Adam and Eve in the garden, when everything was perfect, that sin, that's probably up there. That's one or two. I think that it's easy to make an argument that the murder of Jesus would be one or two. But God still reigned in those shameful times of sin. They didn't knock him off his throne. They didn't knock him off his game. He kept going. He, he had a plan and he worked it out masterfully for us. There's an old hymn of Isaac Watts. And, and here's a, I just want to read you this, this, uh, this verse. Where he displays his healing power, death and curse shall reign no more. Listen to this. But Adam's race in him shall boast more blessings far. Than Adam lost. Did you hear that? In Jesus, even after the fall, in Jesus we have more blessings than our father Adam lost. Do you hear that? It is far better for us to be reunited with God through the sacrifice of Jesus now than to have existed and grown up in the garden. Did you catch that? 
We have more blessings now. And it's because we're not just children of God now, but because of Jesus, we are now, we are now have his righteousness. So as he loves Jesus, he loves us. And we are not just his children. We are now his bride. It's an incredible, incredible gift. So God still reigns, even over your shameful times, even over your sinful times. God's still in control, and he can still work all things together for our good. And he also reigns in death. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is still a sting of death of those who are left behind. When you lose somebody, there's still a sting sometimes when you think of them. There's still a sting when you see certain pictures or maybe uh, you, you smell a certain smell that brings back a memory of them. There's still a sting. But for those who die in Jesus, there's no sting. There's truly no death. There's only victory. He reigns even in the face of death. I don't have better news than that. The Lord reigns, and I hope that you celebrate that this week. I hope that Psalm uh, 93 will be your song for the week, that you'll sing, the Lord reigns, and he's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He's put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. And I hope that you sing that over and over and over again this week, and yet... It's like even though we sing that, and even though that might be the first thought that comes to our mind, we will sing that verse and there will be a a, a refrain that comes up that will reveal to us anxiety and fear over and over again. With the Lord reigning, what causes us to live with anxiety and fear? Because it doesn't make sense, and yet we do it. But with the Lord firmly on his throne, what causes us to live with anxiety and fear? Look at verse 3. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. To me, when I, when I read this, it's like um, you can hear like a panic in the psalmist's voice. And maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm reading into it. But that's, that's how I feel. The floods, the floods, the floods. I know that feeling. I know that fear. I know that anxiety. And so what are the floods? The floods are anything that challenged God's control or power in our minds. We've just talked about God's completely in control. He's completely uh, uh, powerful. What could possibly shake us? What could possibly give us anxiety? Floods could. Anything that challenges control or challenges power in our mind. When the, when the cancer challenges our trust in the power of God, that's a flood. When a broken relationship challenges the control of God, that's a flood. Problems at work, money problems, this election cycle, definitely a flood. Any situation that challenges God's control or power in our minds is, is a flood. A great example of this is in Matthew 14. You're probably familiar with it. The disciples are out on a a boat and Jesus comes walking up to them on the water and they're fearful and they're terrified. But Peter ain't afraid of nothing except for little girls. But Peter's not afraid of anything. So he says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, call me out to you and I'll walk out to you. And so Jesus goes, yeah, come on, dude. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts to walk. And here's what it says in verse 29 of Matthew 14. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He sees the wind. He sees the the waves just coming up and, and threatening him. And what does he say? He says, okay, you know what? These things are a lot more powerful than I thought. 
You know, these waves weren't that big a deal when I was in the boat, but now that they're right here, now that I'm out here walking on top of them and I see them coming at me, maybe they're a little bit more powerful than I thought. Maybe God's control is a little less than I thought it was. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he focuses on those things and he allows them to challenge God's control of power in his mind. He allows it to challenge his understanding of God's sovereignty and he begins to be fearful and, and, and anxious. And what's the solution to these challenges and these fears? Look at verse 4 of Psalm 93. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. The psalmist answers the flood with a reminder that God is mightier. The solution to our fear and anxiety is to remember God's power. There are plenty of floods out there that can overtake you. There are plenty of floods that could wash you and me away. There are plenty of difficulties that we could face that will crush us. But there are none that will crush him. There are none that will overtake him. And good news, you're in his hand now. That's what what we read earlier. At the start of the service, that's what we read. You are in his hand. You're in his hand. So no flood can overtake him. Guess what? No flood can overtake you because you're in his hand. Uh, There's this incredible scripture in John 10. It's one of my favorites. You're probably really familiar with it, but I just want to read it. It's it's just so beautiful. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hands. No one can snatch us out of his hand. When I I went to, to France... One of the things that uh, my parents bought me before I left was a, uh, like a little wallet that like, goes under your shirt. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the traveler wallet. Like never get pickpocketed again. So, so it was like under, under my shirt and, and all the, my valuables and stuff were there. Why? Because if they were in my hand or they were in my pocket, they could be snatched away. They're vulnerable in my hand. Now, although I just demonstrated to you earlier how I can defend myself and how strong I am, Certainly, seriously, certainly, there are people who could snatch them out of my hand. They're vulnerable in my hand. What I love about the scripture is that he reveals nothing can snatch you out of my hand. You're never vulnerable in my hand. And that's what floods make you feel like, don't they? They make us feel vulnerable. They make, because they're bigger than us. And they make us feel vulnerable. That illness, I'm incredibly vulnerable. That pain in my relationship, I'm incredibly vulnerable. That financial distress, I'm incredibly vulnerable. But you're not alone. You're in God's hand. And we are never vulnerable there. Why? Because verse 4, mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Mightier than the broken relationship. Mightier than the injustice. Mightier than the pain or hurt. Mightier than the person or power against you mightier than the illness mightier than the confusion mightier than than whatever's causing you fear and anxiety mightier is the lord on high we have nothing to fear the psalmist concludes this incredible song with a, a a word to further bolster our confidence and our comfort in the lord and he says and, and he says this not only is he the ruler he's also a good ruler He's not just the ruler. He's established that. He is the ruler. He's on the throne. There is no one clothed in majesty. There is no one girded with strength. There is no one like him. But he's also a good ruler. Look at verse 5. Your decrees are very trustworthy. 
Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. So his word can be trusted. A good king can be trusted. When you think about a leader, maybe a leader in, in, the, in the, the business world, in the work world, what do you want from them more than anything? You want integrity. You want someone you can trust. Abraham Lincoln said, great leadership is a product of great character. And that's why character matters. So you want someone with integrity. And our king, our, his words can be trusted. His promises can be trusted. His promise of salvation, his promise of protection, his promise of provision, his promise of comfort and strength and mercy and blessing, those can all be trusted. Because he's not just the ruler, he's a good ruler. And his commands can be trusted. You can trust that his commands are taking you to the best place. Why do we disobey God's commands? Because I believe that I know best. And you might not say that out loud, but that's, that's at the root of it. I'm doing what I think is best for me. What's going to give me the greatest happiness, the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment is what I want to do. I think I know what I am doing. But one of the things that we have to trust with the king is that he knows best and his commands can be trusted. And we know that his commands will always lead us not to what's good, not to what's better, but will always lead us to the best. It says there, your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. If you obey his word, it will lead you to holiness. It will lead you to be more like him. It will lead you to the best. It will lead you to him. So being slow to speak and quick to listen, it leads you to holiness. Letting go and forgiving leads you to holiness. Loving your neighbor as yourself leads you to holiness. Rejoicing always leads you to holiness. Choosing to be kind leads you to holiness. Considering others more important than yourself leads you to holiness. You can always obey him. And you can always trust his word. Because although it might not make sense to you, although it might go against everything that you're feeling inside of you, it's going to lead you to the best place. Why? Because he's not just the ruler, but he's a good ruler. So what's our conclusion this morning? Our conclusion is also our introduction. It's right where we started. Yahweh reigns. Yahweh reigns over everything. The good, the bad, everything in between. Yahweh reigns reigns so maybe there's some people in here you just need to let your heart rejoice at the fact that God's in control maybe this whole week you've just felt the flood you're the one calling out in verse 3 you're the one saying the flood Lord the flood the flood and you need to rest and realize that you're in the hand of God and those flood waters can't touch him they can't touch him not him not his power Maybe some of you, you need to just be obedient today. You need to trust him to lead you to the best place because he's a good ruler. I want us to close this morning by, um, I'm going to read this psalm one more time. I'll ask the band to come back up. We, we'll, we'll respond in song, but I want us to read this psalm one more time, but I want to read it to you. So if you would, would you just bow your head, just quiet yourself, listen to God's word again to you. What's he communicating to you through this psalm? Maybe as I read it, you just need to worship. Just, just have a heart of, of thankfulness. Just have a heart of, of gratitude towards the Lord. But maybe you need to surrender something to him this morning. Maybe there's a fear and anxiety you're holding on to. And you know what it is. As soon as you bowed your head and closed your eyes, it's right there in front of your face. Maybe there's a fear and anxiety you need to let go of. Because you need to remember that he's on the throne. He's in control. Nothing kicks him off of that throne. Nothing. Nothing can touch that throne. 
Maybe this morning you need to surrender yourself. As I had a conversation this week with someone who was struggling with something about their identity, and they said, do you really think that I could follow Jesus with this thing in my life? And you know what I said? I said, I believe you can if you come to him with the attitude of even this thing and everything is yours. I'll do whatever. I don't understand myself without this part of me. But if you want to take it out, I trust you. I'll be yours. So maybe you right now, your head, your head bowed and your eyes closed, but I'm talking right to you. Maybe that's you. You need to surrender to him. I don't mean be churchy. I don't mean just try to make yourself feel better so you can go home today with your head held high. I mean like today you need to be forgiven and today you need to make a decision. I'm following Jesus. Not myself, not anybody else. I am his today. If he's on the throne, then I serve him. So you need to ask him to forgive you now. You need to ask him to come into your life right now. Do that in the quietness of your heart and mind. You don't have to say it out loud. Say it to him. God, forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I believe that you want to know me and I want to know you. Give me a new life. Change me. I'm yours. Listen to this song again. The Lord reigns. Yahweh reigns. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He's put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Lord, as we respond now in song, help us respond in a way that honors you. Help us respond honestly. For some, help us sing loud. We just need to celebrate our kings on the throne. For some, we need to let go of anxiety and worry. Because again, Yahweh reigns. For some, maybe we need to surrender our lives to you. Because they've come to the realization, Yahweh reigns. Then I'm following Yahweh. I'll serve the one who reigns. However we need to respond, Lord. Help us respond well. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.